0: Welcome to the study of God's Word with Pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live from Calvary Chapel in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media, visit us online at calvaryaurora.org or download our free app on all platforms. And now, here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. So take your Bibles, would you, and open them to the book of Daniel, chapter 9. Daniel, chapter 9 we are in, we're going to be picking up around verse 16, but we'll probably start at the beginning in a Bible study. I've entitled the power of prayer part two, and we're studying the life of Daniel because he's an example. Remember, Daniel has two parts to it. You have Daniel, the, uh, the, the man, it's the personal side. And then there's also Daniel, the prophetic side and chapter nine is the bridge. Uh, Because this prayer of Daniel is going to lead into one of the greatest prophecies in all of the Bible. And in that prophecy, we're going to see the unfolding of the end times in a real way. And so Daniel's praying in chapter 9. And we're using the New Living Translation here. In verse 1, it says, it was the first year... Of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus, I messed it up last time too, who became king of the Babylonians, during the first year of the reign, I, Daniel, learned from the reading of the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie in desolate for 70 years. And so I turned to the Lord God and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting, and I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. Daniel was a man, his life was bathed with prayer. It was a part of his life. It it was his life. You remember back in chapter six, it was his prayer life that actually got him in trouble with King Darius, that it's his law that nobody could pray. And what did Daniel do? He went back right back to pray. And so as he was praying, uh, it got him in trouble, but he wasn't going to bow to the pressure of this law that was said that no man can worship and no man can pray. His enemies, remember in chapter 6, couldn't find anything evil in his life, so they took something good and they called it evil. Let me read to you in Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home, knelt down as usual in his upstairs room, with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. And the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. So it shouldn't shouldn't surprise us that we would find Daniel praying as we open up in chapter nine. He's reading and praying, reading and praying, searching and seeking. And isn't that what we continue to remind over week after week after week? The best thing you can do as a believer is to read and pray, read and pray. And that's where Daniel is. And he's reading in Jeremiah, most likely chapter 25, you can jot it down in your notes or chapter 29 where Daniel's reading about the captivity. And he's realizing, um, as a matter of fact, hold your place in Daniel and go over to Jeremiah chapter 29. Go over to Jeremiah chapter 29, and let's see here as Jeremiah is, this is where Daniel probably would be, because this is the place where the captivity is mentioned. Jeremiah 29 verse 10, it says, This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I'll come and I'll do for you all the good things I've promised, and I will bring you home again. Now, I had these in my notes, and I wasn't, I was just going to read them and let you jot them down, but I'm glad that I turned to this because this is like a precious promise. Because although we're not like the children Israel right now in captivity, it it does feel like we're being very restricted and things are different for us. And there's an encouraging word in Jeremiah to the Daniel's reading that encourages him that says, you know what? There's a time limit on the captivity you're in. And I believe there's a time limit on what we're facing right now. But then I will do for you all the good things I have promised. I'll bring you home again. And so that's kind of a cool word. I'll bring you home again. Gather together again. And so Daniel, you could tell, is like super excited because what they're going through uh, is oppression uh, and serious uh, exile. And they were, in their case, being judged for their idolatry and their disobedience. But he's encouraged because it's coming to an end. And Daniel's an older man right now. And we read that his heart rejoices and he's encouraged. And it says in verse uh, in verse three that I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. And remember we learned in our study last time just by way of review that we're looking at what of the aspects of the power of prayer and we're looking at the aspects of effective prayer. And effective prayer initiates with serious worship. So what he's reading in the word leads to worship. That's why it's really good to stay strong in your devos because when you're in the word, it will lead to worship. And here he sets his face in verse three. He says, I turn to the Lord. I I turn. That's, that's figurative language. I turn to the Lord. And in a time of great difficulty, in a time of great news, I turn to the Lord. I'm excited. God, what do you have in store? Your word encourages me. And his prayer notice was directed toward God. And I know it sounds obvious, a prayer directed toward God, but that's the definition of prayer. A lot of folks have a hard time with prayer because they like, I don't know what to do. I've never prayed before. I don't know what to say, but prayer in its simplest definition is just us talking to God. And, and so he sets his face. He turns to the Lord and he begins to plead with God. He begins to ask. And there are a lot of prayers out there that are offered that have little or no concern with God. You know, in Luke chapter 18, verse 11, it says, The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer I thank you, God, that I'm not like other people, cheaters, sinners, adulterers. I'm certainly not like that tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of my income. You know, the Pharisee stood by himself and he prayed this prayer to himself, is the essence of this. He's not talking to God, he's talking to himself. And serious worship is the beginning of prayer. Secondly, as we continue to read on, we learn that effective prayer involves sincere confession. As we look back and he says in verse 4, I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed. Confessed oh Lord, you're a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant. Keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commandments. And then you just kind of go through because we studied this last time, but look, look at verse five. We have sinned and done wrong. We've rebelled and scorned your commands. Verse six, we've refused to listen. Verse seven, you are right. But as you see, our faces are covered with shame. Verse eight, Uh, our Our ancestors are covered with shame. Verse nine, the Lord, our God is merciful and forgiving. Verse 11, all Israel's disobeyed, refusing to listen to your voice. Verse 12, you have kept your word and done to us and your rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been a disaster such as this that's happened in Jerusalem. Look at the end of verse 14. The Lord, our God was right to do all these things for we did not obey him. Notice verse 15, but we have sinned and are full of wickedness. And you see Daniel includes himself in the confession. And this is one of the strongest prayers in all the Bible of confession and repentance. There's actually two other chapters that have very similar prayers, and and they're all chapter nine. So you've got Daniel chapter nine, you have Ezra chapter nine, and the other one is found in Nehemiah chapter nine. And the sign of a great leader is not to proudly and arrogantly call out the sins of others, but rather to remember that the spiritual leader, the real deep believer, uh, those that those of us in the body of Christ would include ourselves. We have sinned. We have sinned. You know, we think of our nation and we say, We have sinned. None of us have clean hands. Now, of course, some of you would want to say, Well, wait a minute. Theologically, uh, we have clean hands because of the blood of Jesus Christ. And you're, you would be correct. Our sins have been washed away, we have been cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ. You're right. That's true. However, we continue to sin, we continue to fail we continue to stumble. We continue to find ourselves in a place of utter desperation and need, a need to confess our sins so that we would come to the faithful and just God that would continue to cleanse us. And it's us. It's our church. You know, a lot of times you'll hear these people, uh, you'll hear some critics who go, oh, I can't believe the church in America. And they're a believer. You know, we're not talking about unbelievers. We're talking about believers and, oh, the church in America, this, and the church in America, that, or the, the church, capital C, or our church and this church. And, and what you, what you don't hear is, hey, I'm the church. So I'm the bride of Christ. And if there's something wrong in the church, I'm a part of the body. And instead of being arrogant about it, my heart should be broken over it. And you know, not always is my heart broken over it. Uh, It's a very easy thing to stand in a position of seeing other people's faults and forgetting our own. But I know this, when you begin to pray like Daniel prays, God will soften your heart. God will bless you. To me, it's remarkable that Daniel's one of the few men in the Bible. If you read through this prayer, Daniel's one of the few men in the Bible that nothing wrong is written about him. Like we don't have any highlight of any of his sinful proclivities or anything. It's, he's a man of impeccable character. We read of no sins, no mistakes, no stumblings, nothing of it, what's recorded. I know he had them, but it's not recorded in the scriptures. But the condition of Daniel's prayer is that he includes his own heart. So we have serious worship. Effective prayer starts with a serious worship Secondly, it includes sincere confession. Thirdly, we pick up where we left off last time now in verse 16. Thirdly, effective prayer involves serious intercession. Intercession. I'll explain that in a moment. Come back to me in verse 15. We'll just pick up to overlap. Verse 15. Oh Lord, our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power. But we have sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and, the, and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. Verse 17. O oh, our God, hear your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead. For your own sake, Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. Oh my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help. I love that. But because of your mercy. Oh Lord, hear. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, listen and act for your own sake. Do not delay. Oh my God, for your people and your city that bear your name. So in the word Jeremiah's writings prompts Daniel to pray. The word moved him as he sees the captivity coming to a close. God show mercy. He begins to pray for the city for Jerusalem. Let your anger be turned. And this prayer of his is not for him but for his people and for the city that bears the name of God. He's praying for those that are around him. And that's what intercession is. Intercessory prayer is praying on behalf of someone else. The idea of intercessory comes from the word intercede. And you can think of it this way if you're taking notes. Intercessory prayer is you standing in the gap between a person and God praying for them. And you think of your prayers. There's a lot of prayers where we're praying for ourselves, but a lot of our requests in our give 10 time, even tonight, was praying for someone else, praying for someone else. When you're praying for someone else, you're praying intercessory prayers. And they're very, very important to intercede on behalf of another person. And I have to say that intercessory prayer has two sides to it. There can, it can be very easy, um, as I was praying to, for the lonely and the hurting. I was praying for the fearful and the anxious. That was easy for me. I actually, because I was praying and I was being broadcast, I didn't mention names, but there were names that popped in, faces that popped in my mind that I was praying for and thinking of. Intercessory prayer, when I'm praying on behalf of someone, as I'm praying for someone to to see some breakthrough, uh, I'm praying for a family that's having a difficult time having a baby. I'm praying for them that God would open the womb and I mean it. When I'm praying for someone that's battling cancer for healing, I'm praying for them and I mean it. And, and those are easy. I mean, it's a hard situation. That's, I, I don't mean that the situation's easy, but for me to intercede and pray, uh, I, those are easier for me. I'll tell you where intercessory prayer come, becomes hard. Intercessory prayer becomes hard when I'm praying for people I don't want to pray for. I'm praying for people in my life I just don't want to pray for. You know, when I'm praying for myself, Easy. Praying for people that I know and like, easy. Praying for difficulties, easy. You know, I can pray, forgive me, Lord. Bless me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Uh, we've got this situation. I need wisdom, God. We have this financial thing, God. Provide for the needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And those kind of prayers, very easy. Hey, there's a brother in the church that's struggling. Lord, help him, strengthen him. You know, in Luke chapter 11, verse 4, it says, and forgive us our sins. As we forgive, listen, this is where intercessory prayer gets really hard. As we forgive those who sin against us and don't let us yield to temptation. So it's an intercessory prayer that opens up a new channel. Listen, this might be brand new for you. This might be a new opportunity for you to understand that God has a, a, an a opening, a freshness and a newness in your life that he can give you right now. And that is when you begin to pray for those that have sinned against you and you forgive them, you release them of their debt. By the way, forgiveness is a big issue in your life. Whether you're watching online right now or listening in, uh, on Grace FM, listening on a radio station somewhere, or you're even in the room right now and there's an issue about forgiveness Go to our website, calvaryco.church, and put in the word forgive in the search bar of our messages. And I've taught some very strong messages uh, on forgiveness, uh, and and, and there, it's life-giving. There's even a packet that we have. If you want to email me directly through the website and ask for the forgiveness packet, I'll, I'll return that email uh, hopefully within a couple of days to give you the packet a pdf you can print out because forgiveness is so important so listen as we intercede it opens up a new channel of god's agape love that will flow from him and through us so we learn to intercede and pray for those who hurt us and we learn to intercede and pray for those that have used us and we learn to intercede and to pray for those who don't care for those who don't want to care And as we pray for our unsafe family and friends, we pray for people that have made decisions that have hurt us. We pray for those that have offended us as we forgive. And here's what happens. As we pray, our hearts are drawn toward these people. They're drawn toward them. And this is a key, really a secret to the power of prayer. When we pray for people, it stirs up love in us. And now you go, wait a minute, Ed, I prayed for someone last night, it just made me more angry. You just need to keep praying. Of course you're going to be angry because it's still on the surface. You're still suffering from the hurt. You know, you could suffer from the hurt that you experienced years and years and years ago. And it could be as real today as it was years ago. And and yet as you continue to yield, because prayer is a place of submission. Daniel, he's reading Jeremiah. So it starts with, I like to pray with an open Bible at times. And so it starts in the word and then the word inspires me. And so I'm receiving from God through his word and then it draws me back to communicating with God from his word. You know, his word comes through me, it comes back and then he begins to reveal people to me and I begin to intercede, not just coming to God with a list, but I come to intercede on behalf of others. And it becomes very difficult to dislike and to scorn a person that you're praying for because you just know that God loves them. You may have a hard time liking them right now, but God loves them. Send his son, Jesus Christ, to die for them. You know, without a prayerful life, we just get angry. You know, I can't stand them. I don't like them. I don't want to be around them. But in prayer, our words change to God help them, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Bring them to the end of themselves. And then your heart becomes broken over the condition of the people that you're praying for, the people that might've hurt you. Uh, that might be still hurting you right now. And as our hearts are broken, just like our Father's heart, we're softened toward them, wanting to see God change them. And then what happens? You know, you've often heard it said that prayer changes things. Uh, Really what prayer does is changes people. It changes us, it uh, realigns our attitude and our hearts toward the Lord. And it, it reveals to us where we lack in that agape love, and it changes us. So what does it do when you're interceding? It's a key to erasing bitterness, intercession. It is a key to rebuilding relationships, intercession. It's a key of unleashing the agape love of God, intercession. And you responded, "A, but I can't, Ed. I can't. It's so difficult. And the Bible says, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, we say, I can't. God says, for I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength, gives me the strength. Does prayer really change things? Yes, prayer changes you and it changes me. We're not primarily moving the hand of God as much as it is for the direction to hold the hand of God. You know, you see people praying, we're going to move God's hand. We're going to move God today. Well, really what's happening is you've moved yourself into a position of submitting to God, right? You're, we were taught how to pray. We were taught how to pray. It's thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And so when I'm praying, I'm praying according to his will. I'm praying according to what he wants. And I'm the one that needs to change. And praise God that he does that work of change in us. And that's Daniel right here. As you're reading through, he's like, man, I want this city. Man, I'm praying for your people. Forgive us. Help us. I'm praying for the city that has your name. I'm confessing our sins. And I realize we're captive, God, because of our rebellion. So remember us. And he's not demanding from God. He's not ordering God around. As it said earlier, he's pleading. He's pleading in a position of prayer and fasting. And listen, you're watching this live, you're listening to me live, you're hearing me live right now, and, and it really any time this airs on any radio station around the country, you're listening to me right now, get this. If there was ever a time for prayer and fasting, it's now, it's right now that we not only, we we can't just kind of coast along and say, well, I hope things get back to normal. No, things aren't normal right now. It's time to pray and fast. And that could just be a confirmation for you. You've been asking, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? You can pray and fast. And once again, I've taught a very detailed Bible study on exactly what the Bible teaches about fasting and and what it, how prayer and fasting go together. So you can just put the word fasting in the same search bar and bookmark those. And you can actually in the app, download them and you could take them on the road on your phone or you can download any of the messages through our app and they go into your download or download folder. So get those studies, come to come and follow Daniel in his time of prayer and fasting, uh, in his, uh, Ashka in, in his rough burlap, it says here in the New Living Translation sprinkled with ashes, uh, it is a very challenging time for him as he comes to the Lord in self-sacrifice, self-sacrifice. I'm going to confess the sins of our people, and I always like to ask, is that your heart right now, and how about, is it, is it our heart as a church at Calvary? Uh, is it our heart at Calvary Chapel that we would have a broken heart for the lost and for our city? for the difficulties around us? Do we see it? You know, you get that picture of uh, Jesus looking over Jerusalem and he is, he is, uh, weeping over Jerusalem because of the sins. Will we be the same way? You know, are we going to be in a place of brokenness? Will we be in a place with a broken heart? Because broken hearts change lives. Broken hearts change lives. Well, effective prayer we've seen is serious worship. Starts with serious worship. Number two, continues in, serious, in sincere confession. Uh, thirdly, it involves a ser- serious uh, intercession. And now effective prayer instills a solid confidence in God. A solid confidence. Because he leaves in verse 19, if you come back to Daniel 9 with me, O Lord, Hear. Oh, Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act for your own sake. Do not delay, my God, for your people and your city. And there's this confidence. Jot it down, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. It says, and we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. And we have, prayer will lead to confidence. We will leave our prayer closet no longer disrupted. Like, things get shifted. We enter into our prayer closet disrupted, concerned. Look what's going on, God. Look at all the circumstances, look at all the difficulties. But we leave our prayer closet confident in the promises of God. Even if the circumstances don't change right away, we leave confident and I love that because God is looking for those people, for those businesses, for those kids, for those families that approach him upon the grace and mercy of God, not based on what we do. Confidence doesn't come. We don't get, we don't come to God in confidence because we are all of our good deeds this week, or man, I did better in my Bible reading this week than last week, or, or I helped somebody uh, in Jesus name. That's not where confidence comes from. Confidence comes from the Lord. And you don't need to give God a reason to bless you. He's given you all blessings in Christ Jesus, all things pertaining to life and godliness. Just approach him. Just come to him based on his mercy, based on his grace. Come to him in a place where you're surrendered and you bring your cares, bring your concerns, casting your cares upon him. Why? Because he cares for you. And when you pray, be careful because you may hear the enemy whispering in your ear, who are you? who are you to come to God like that? How can you pray with that kind of heart? What are you doing? Don't you remember where you were last week? Don't you remember what you thought yesterday? You think God's going to hear you or answer to you? And, and the lies of the enemy in our minds will take us away from this confidence in knowing that we approach God to that. Remember, we were learning in Hebrews, we go into the throne room of grace not the throne room of of works, and what do we find? We we come into that throne room of grace to find what mercy and help How, when in our time of need, and it, we just come, like, we just it, it, we we just come to him admitting our need in a place of humility. And Daniel's there, and there's nothing wrong, no sin, anything recorded of Daniel, and here he is praying and in confidence. Now, in this confidence, before we leave, I, I, wanted, I want you to see this in chapter, in chapter 9, verse 20. Check this out. He says, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my people, pleading with the Lord my God for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. And as I was praying, Gabriel, Gabriel is an angel, an archangel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. And he explained to me, Daniel, I have come here to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I'm here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. What's Daniel reading about? He's reading about the past 490 years. And he's in the middle at the end of the 70 years. And then there's going to be another 490 years, as we'll see in the rest of Daniel chapter 9. So he's praying about the past. And while he's praying that fast, he gets an answer. Gabriel shows up with the answer. But he's not, Gabriel doesn't come with an answer about the past. Gabriel comes with an answer about the future. And right in the middle of his prayers, the angel shows up, even before he finishes praying. And what an answer that must have been. I mean, it's so encouraging. Now, I've had times in my prayer life where I've prayed and I've sensed the Lord answered my prayer uh, in the middle of the prayer. Like he gave me a verse. He gave me a confirmation. He gave me a direction. like, Like before I even said amen. I've, I, I sense that, man, he's already given me the answer. He's already confirmed to me. Maybe uh, uh, it was a verse. Uh, it was somebody he brought to remember and somebody's. Now, all the ways that that's happened to me before, the way it's never happened is I've never had an angel show up with an answer right in the middle of my prayer. And what a dramatic time this must have been. You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter one in verse 14, that angels are servants. They're ministering spirits sent to care for people who inherit salvation. And so Gabriel is sent as a servant, a ministering spirit to show up and answer Daniel's prayer. Daniel's praying about the future of his captivity. He's asking about the the circumstances of the last 490 years and what is the answer is you'll see, you're going to have to read ahead. Cause we're not going to get into it today, but you have to read ahead in our next study on the 70. I mean, it is fascinating. 70 weeks of Daniel is our next time together. Uh, read ahead, finish the chapter. And he, he's what, what his answer was to the prayer. He's praying for the help of the Jerusalem. He's praying for forgiveness. He's praying for what, Hey, let's get out of captivity. And the answer was more than he prayed because the answer was the prophetic key to the future. And he gives them insights, not on the past 490 years, but on the future 490 years. And the answer really supersedes the request. And so here's the deal. You you just come to the Lord and be open to what he has for you. I mean, you might come with a list. You might even pray through the gift Ten today. And you've got those, the things that we instructed you to pray. But then when you come to prayer, God can supersede that. He just wants you to come, just come and talk to him. Come speak to him what's on your heart. Intercede, pray, ask, be thankful. But prayer is powerful. Not only is prayer a means to accomplish God's will on earth, it's also a means to change your heart and your mind. It's a means to give you direction. It's a means, our prayer life is the, a powerful means of God using it to shape and mold our lives. To conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. Gabriel comes and gives Daniel insights and understanding. It says in verse 22, he explained to me, Daniel, I've come here to give you insight and understanding. Uh, in the new King James, it says, Daniel, I've come to give you skill to understand. And three times as Gabriel is talking with Daniel, he talks about giving him understanding. And as we close today, God wants to give you Understanding. You, you have a question today. You have a difficulty. You have a challenge. God wants to give you understanding. But not only that, he wants to give you understanding of the things of the future, what we would call prophecy. And it's a tragedy that the prophetic parts of scripture are ignored and denied and not given the kind of attention that God gives to prophecy in his scriptures. It, it is very much a part of God's relationship with us, his prophetic word, his sure and steadfast prophetic word. And we wanna be interested in the books of the Bible that speak to us of prophetic insights of the future. We are closer to the coming of the Lord than ever before. And books like Revelation, Daniel, Zechariah, all of it, we wanna be interested in the prophetic realm. The word is clear, he wants to give us understanding. Um, Turn over to chapter 12 of Daniel. I'm almost done. Daniel chapter 12. Notice with me in verse four. Daniel chapter 12, verse four. It says, but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy as a secret. Keep it as a secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. So Daniel, his prophecy was for those at the end of the age. Daniel's prophecy, what's given to him now, is really for those that are living at the end of the age. And it was to be sealed and then revealed. And here we have great insights of many of the things that Daniel taught and what was given to him. Because prophecy will put us squarely in the position. If you truly are a man or a woman of, of, of prophecy and you really love prophecy, I'm not talking about the conspiracy theories. I'm not talking about all the interesting nuances and all, could this be the mark of the beast? I'm not talking about that. I, I'm talking about if you really are a man or a woman uh, that are, is interested in prophecy, it will do one thing and one thing in you deeply. And that is, it will cause you to look for the soon return of Jesus Christ. It will have you be otherworldly, heavenly minded. Look up, Jesus said, when you see some of these things come to pass, look up for your redemption draws near. <laughs> and what it does is it places hopes in our heart. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Dear friends, we are already God's children, but he has not yet shown us what we would be like when Christ appears. But we know That we will be like him, for we will see him as he really is, and all who have this eager expectation will keep themselves pure, just as he is pure. And so, Father, we're grateful for the insights of Daniel's life, the things that you've shown us, the things that you've revealed to us, and the encouragement that you answer prayer and that you change our hearts, the encouragement that like daniel we can plead for our country and plead for our leaders and plead for our politicians and we can call out to you and saying we have sinned we have sinned and forgive us god forgive us and if you're listening to me right now and and you're in a place where you have yet to be born again look god is getting your attention Things are swirling around your life you have no control over. And today God's calling you to himself. You're recognizing the, the separation of your life between your life and God's life. You're recognizing your failure. What you see as failure, God declares as sin. Sin against a holy and a righteous God. And although sin is a heavy word and it's a challenging word, the good news about sin is that God has given us A remedy for sin. He sent his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for us so that we might live in him. But in order to experience new life, you must repent of your sins and ask God to forgive you. If you confess with your your mouth the Lord Jesus and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. And if that's you today, I want to invite you to do that right where you are in your car, in your kitchen. You know, who knows, you know, maybe you, I never mentioned where you're watching. You can email me or post a picture of where you're watching, your living room, where I always say kitchen for some reason, but maybe you are, maybe that's a word for you. Wherever you are listening, watching, receiving this, God loves you and he has a plan for your life in Christ Jesus. He wants to redeem your life and forgive you of your sins. And so today, if you'd like to receive him, I want to, I want you to ask him to forgive you of your sins. It's like an invitation. Jesus would come by and you say, hey, you, come and follow me. And that invitation would be met with a response. So I want to give you a chance to respond. Respond to the invitation of Jesus. And you can pray to him like this. So repeat after me. you could say, God, I admit that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to die for me. And I believe he rose again from the dead to save my soul. And I dedicate my life to following you. In Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Aurora. For prayer or a copy of this study, call us at eight seven seven three zero 30 grace That's eight seven seven three zero four. 304